Kaku. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the King's Court Podcast presented by All Purpose Insurance and our very first episode of the brand new 2019-2020 season covering the Sacramento Kings. And I had to kick it off with a bang. Joining me on this episode to do what we've done probably for the last six years now, James. And the only reason why I know that is because Facebook keeps giving me the notifications from the very first time I had you on when you were part of CK, the one and only James Ham from NBC Sports California. James, how are you? Good. What's going on, Vince? How are you? Man, I've just been working, getting ready for the season. You know, I'm pretty excited about it, but I have to ask you, James, it seems like this has probably been the year if you have been covering the Kings for as long as you have, you have to be excited about this team because it just seems to have this energy. Am I right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, this is my 10th season. This will be my 10th season covering the Sacramento Kings. Uh, it'll be my fifth at NBC, uh, which is super exciting for me. Um, but at the same time, it's also clearly the most talented, deepest roster this this franchise has put on the court in my decade of covering the team and I don't think it's even close. I mean, I think there was one year with Isaiah and uh, DeMarcus and Rudy Gay where it was a pretty good squad. Um, but as, as far as like talent goes, this is such a deep roster. Um, I think they're 11 or 12 deep. Uh, I'll go 11 strong plus. And I actually think they're going to have issues. They're going to have issues trying to fit in everybody and uh, keep players happy. And um, I think for the first time in a long time that that is going to be a problem. So, um, I, I mean, I think Kings fans should be excited just because you got, you know, you got Corey Joseph backing up De'Aaron Fox, who's ready to be a star. And you got Buddy Hield and Bogdan Bogdanovich fighting it out for minutes at the two and, uh, as opposed to last year where you had Iman Shumpert and Justin Jackson to start the season. And the Kings actually started Buddy Heald at the small forward position oh, for yeah. the first two games of the year last year. Uh, instead of that, this year, you've got Harrison Barnes, and um, and you've got a very high-quality small forward in uh, Trevor Ariza backing him up. So I just think if you go down position by position, you know, Nemanja Bielitsa and... Uh, Marvin Bagley, and then you got three-headed monster at the center position with Deadman and uh, and Holmes and Harry Giles. So I just think that like this is literally the by far the most talented, deepest roster the Kings have had in a very, very long time. Oh, I definitely agree. And we're going to get into almost all everything you just discussed, player by player. Uh, but, but first, James, I mean, like I said in the top of the show, this is uh, according to Facebook, and I wrote this down before we started the show. According to Facebook, this is technically year four, but I believe I also did two years on uh, YouTube as a show before I started doing it as podcast form that we have been doing the show together. And I think that is pretty crazy, my friend. So cheers to you for that. Thank you for continuously coming on this uh, little podcast called the King's Court over here. Yeah, no problem, man. You know, I, I like to talk basketball. Um, I'm kind of like a party favor when I go places. Uh, everyone wants to just sit there and, and talk sports with me. I think it's funny too. Um, you know, people, I, I, I'm sure that like people on my line of work get this all over the place, but you know, I've got friends that, you know, you reach out to them and what their line of work is and they're like, Oh yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, I'll get back to you about that. Uh, I'll, I'll call you tomorrow at nine. 
and you're like, okay. And then they want to talk sports like all night long. And then you realize that the, the reason why they want you to call them back or that they get back to you the next day is because they're waiting until they're working. And so they want to reach out during business hours for them. But when they want to talk basketball, there is no business hours. So they just call me at all time, not realizing that this is actually what I do for a living. And so it, it's just one of those weird nuances of doing what I do. And, uh, I, I mean, I don't mind it cause I do like talking basketball all the time, but at the same time, look, man, if I need help with my windows and I call <laughs> you at six o'clock, I expect you to talk to me because you call me at eight o'clock to ask me who's going to get traded on trade deadline. And I sit there and have conversations with you. So uh, I'm just saying, you know, it's one of those things, Vince. James, it's one of those it, sound, things. it sounds like we're getting a little personal over here. What's his name? I'm bitter. No, no, I'm not bitter. I, you know, like again, like if I go to a function with my wife and you walk in the door, uh, people are always like quiet about it, but then they're like, Hey, uh, so what's going to happen with, uh, you know, and it's like, uh, like, look, I don't want to talk about Luke Walton stuff when I'm not at work. Um, but you know, I, I still don't mind sitting and talking basketball because, uh, I do love what I do and, you know, it's a joy to get to do what I, I do. And, um, so, so don't take this as like, I'm going to punch you if you come up to me and start talking basketball. Uh, but you know, if he's eating just, dinner with his family guys, let him eat. And if he needs help with his windows for sure, show up at the time that you said he's willing to talk to you while you're cleaning them. <laughs> just be there. That's yeah. all we're saying. That's all I'm saying. I'm, what I'm saying is that my business hours, uh, you know, I have business hours and you have business hours. If if you want me on any hour to talk basketball, then I want you on any hour to talk about other things. And that's it is what it is. Yeah, for sure. Show up to the windows. All right. I'm saying you know who you are. You're listening to the show. Right. Uh, so, James, I was on I was on a radio show the other day and. I have to ask you this question because I thought it was a great question that they asked me. This team now is considered to have a big three, right? Everyone is considering the team having an up-and-coming big three with De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, and Marvin Bagley. Those are the everyone's keeping their eye on, right? Of those three players, who, in your opinion, has to take the biggest step this season out of those three? Uh, that's interesting. Um. I mean, clearly it's it's De'Aaron Fox. I, I mean, I think the other two can take big steps, and, and I expect specifically, I expect Bagley to take huge steps. Um, but I don't think anything matters unless De'Aaron Fox takes steps, and um, that to me, I don't know what that means statistically, but what I know is that it means that he's a floor general and he's the man, and everyone's following his lead. And without, I mean, he could stumble, stumble into 20 and 10 this season. I mean, he averaged 17.3 and 7.3 assists last year. Um, I, I think that, like, just by getting to the free throw line, uh, the amount of times that he should get to the free throw line and having the respect of the officiating crew, uh, I expect him to come close to 20 points a game. And I think just by adding bodies around him, uh, more consistent players around him. I think it's very easy to see him hitting 10 assists. I mean, if I were to predict any number, it would be 20 points, nine assists, like four and a half rebounds and stellar defenses here. So I think he's the guy that has to take the step forward. 
uh, but it's more mental. It's more approach. Uh, it's more leading to victories than it is, you know, just raw numbers. I think Buddy Hield could easily push up his numbers to 23, 24 points a game. Uh, I think uh, Marvin Bagley easily. I, I, I mean, 15, I have 15, him at like 12. 18 and 9, guaranteed. What say that again? I have him averaging potentially fifteen and twelve. Yeah, fifteen is way too low. No, way way too low. I mean, I, he's either going to be eighteen or he's going to be twenty a game. Uh, to me, Marvin Bagley is the guy that can average twenty seven, twenty eight points a game on this team, and and I don't think it'll take him long to get there. I think by year four, he's going to be a, a player that just is is unstoppable on the offensive end. Um, so, so that's see- just my own personal view, but. He's so aggressive, and he's so good in interior, uh, and he's been working really hard on his perimeter game. He's got a beautiful jump shot. He also shoots it at the top of his jump. Uh, I just think he's he's got unlimited potential, but that doesn't mean that his numbers lead to victories. I think that's why I circle De'Aaron Fox and say, hey, he's the guy. If he's going to take a leap, it's got to be uh, it, it's got to be something different. It's got to be him like taking control of the game and showing everybody that he's the man and that he's driving them to victory. And, oh, by the way, I've got these other two elite scores with me. See, that's interesting. I said it was actually Buddy Heald. I think Buddy Heald needs to take that next step to to show what he really is. Is he just a sharpshooting three-point shooter, or is he going to become that all-around player? And I talked about it on that show, and I'll say it here now. I see him as being that player that's on the verge of either being something uh, undeniably, like, great almost I don't want to use that word because that's a pretty strong word to use right now especially with the talent that we have at the shooting guard position in the NBA but he's at that point now where okay we know you're a good shooter we know the work ethic is there uh, you've been building up your defenses and, and we talked about I think the last time you were on the show about how peskier he was uh, defensively just on the inbound pass and being able to get those sneaky steals and then we had Trey his trainer on in our studio earlier this offseason before we went off air for a while for the summer and he was talking about more just getting the shot up faster, uh, working more defensively and finishing around the rim. And I think for a guy like Buddy, if you can have that type of player, and for me, with Fox, I think you already see what he's going to bring. Like you said, I don't think he needs to average any uh, crazy numbers. I don't I don't see a point production raw number uh, going to be the thing that guides this team to victory. I think it's going to be a mentality thing, a leadership thing, and being able to uh, bring his players up while he's also keeping that motor high for this high-octane offense that you know we believe Luke Walton is going to bring this year. So I think Buddy Heald is that guy that makes that happen for Fox. Like They need each other, almost like John Wall knows now that he needs Bradley Beal. It's just that type of NBA. So that's why I said the person that needs to take the biggest step for the Kings to succeed is Buddy Heald. That was, that was the person that I actually chose. Yeah, I, I'll point out that uh, that Bradley Beal had perhaps his greatest season as a pro, um, and that team was god-awful. And it's because John Wall was gone. Um, not to say that I think John Wall is is just... Uh, and I, 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 To be honest with you, I think De'Aaron Fox will be better this year in year three than John Wall. Um, and I don't even think that's that's even close. I mean, like John Wall in his prime pre-Achilles uh, injury, I, I just think he's a better defender. He's a better shooter. Uh, he's just as fast, maybe even faster, more versatile. Um, and, and I just think he's more willing to dedicate himself to the game of basketball. Um, but, you know, Bradley Beal, I, I get it. I, you know, you, you need a big-time score 
Um, but when you look at, you know, teams that have developed and become really, really good teams or even great teams, um, you know, again, I don't like the comparison because Steph and, and De'Aaron Fox are just completely different types of players. But the mentality, if he has Steph's mentality to be great, uh, then I think Buddy Heald, um, in my opinion, is more of a Clay Thompson player. And, and Clay Thompson's a great player. And I think Buddy Heald is really close to achieving Clay Thompson level of play. Uh, but I think that there are players that, you know, that you need on the floor with a Clay Thompson to make him be as good as he is. And uh, again, I think Buddy Heald's an elite shooter and an elite three point player, a uh, three point shooter, an elite scorer. Um, I think he could easily bump up. Uh, you know, if he takes two more three pointers per game that puts him closer to like 23 and a half points per game. And so, I mean, I think he can get there. And uh, I, I just think it's one of those deals, though, where um, that that Fox is a guy who stirs a drink, man. He is He's just such an elite talent. And the point guard position is so incredibly uh, important in the NBA. Again, Damian Lillard versus C.J. McCollum. Uh, McCollum is a great player, uh, D, uh, but Damian Lillard is, is a better player, and he means more to that team on a nightly basis. So, how do I ask this question? So, if you had to, off the top of your head right now, before we look around all these other players, if you had to right now, looking at all the point guards in the league, look at De'Aaron Fox's talent and the potential with this new offense that we've got to see in practice now, especially you've got to see it close these practices and I've been hearing talks a little bit here and there from everybody that they believe this could happen is De'Aaron Fox a all-star in the west this year that's really tough you know I think he can be there uh I think he can be really close you know clearly a spot opens with uh with Clay Thompson going down um but you know there are players that have been waiting to be all-stars you know CJ McCollum we just mentioned uh, he's never been an all-star. Um, you know, there are a lot of really good guards. And in order for him to be an all-star, uh, I would say that he's got to be close to 20 and 10. And the Kings have to be five, seven games over 500 at the all-star break. Um, and if he, if they can accomplish those two things, if he's there and if if the Kings are winning and are Really, they aren't just like trying to cling to a possibility of an eight seed, but they're more like a six seven uh, or even like a five six seven at that point in the season. And those things can all change down, you know, after that. But if that's where the Kings are, um, I think Fox can be an all star. I also think Buddy Heald can be an all star um, just because he is an elite shooter and shooting is the soup du jour of the NBA right now. Um, and I also think that. You know, Marvin Bagley is an elite talent at that at that power forward position, um, and I could see him elevating and being someone who's mentioned in that. Uh, but you know, Luka Doncic is going to be knocking on the door. Uh, you know, adding to all these other young players, uh, Donovan Mitchell. You know, there's a lot of guards in the Western Conference that you got to compete with in order to get there. And you know, we haven't even mentioned the to the two Houston Rocket guards. Um, you know, I just think it's really, really difficult. I mean, it, but again, from the East if, the Kings, are, the, West, if the Kings the, are having a special season, they can, he can be there. Right. And then, like I was saying, you, you also have an all-star that came from the East in D'Angelo Russell. Now with a, a more shooting 
offensive favorite type of roster and and, and uh, lineups. With Come the on, Ben, don't go D'Angelo on me. Come on, D'Lo ain't D'Lo ain't no All Star. Right. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, James. <laughs> Adam I'm, Silver I'm put him in the All Star team last of year. Ice in my veins, Russell. He has a yeah. nickname. He carried my fantasy team. That like his name was my fantasy football name. Ice in my veins, Russell, and I had Russell Wilson as my quarterback. So I All took right. that from him. <laughs> my fantasy football, we go with rolling with Mahomes. Oh, because we have Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes. <laughs> yeah. Let's start looking down a little bit more of these offseason acquisitions now, James, because they were some ones that actually caught me by surprise. And you mentioned one of the players, so let's start off with him. Trevor Ariza, a, a 3 and D, a veteran wing. Uh, the King, I feel like the Kings have been looking for this type of player for a long time, and now they got him when they're kind of have a log jam at that power forward position, but could still use him at the 3. But this has also been a player that has been seeing close to 35 to almost 40 minutes per game with his time with the Rockets and then his time with uh, the Wizards last season. So now he's coming to the Kings, and I believe you also just wrote something recently on on NBC. So are you hearing what his role is going to be on this roster at all? Well, I mean, I think it's pretty clear. Uh, He got a big contract. Um, He had a two-year $25 million deal, which I think is like – 12.2 12.2 million the first year and 12.8 in the second, but it's only 1.8 million dollar guaranteed uh, for the second year. So basically, 14 million over two years. I mean, 14 million for one year. Um, you know, look, I, I think that Trevor Ariza can still play the game of basketball. I think his defensive numbers were were not good at all last year. Uh, they improved. I uh, actually they were better when he was with Phoenix. I think like I, I went through and I did the the numbers and I think he wasn't good in one place. He was actually atrocious in one place and he was okay in the other. Uh, I mean, he was really bad. I mean, he was okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, what it was. He was okay. in one of the other stops um, between his, his Phoenix Suns and Washington wizards, uh, you know, performances last season. Um, he played 34 minutes a game and there's just no way. There's just no way he's going to play that. I mean, when you really look at – so just break down really quick. De'Aaron Fox is going to play 33, 34 minutes a game. That leaves 14, maybe 15 minutes for Corey Joseph, who's a very good player at the backup uh, point guard position. You really can't steal any minutes at the two because you have Bogdan and you have Buddy Hield. Buddy Hield's going to play 32, 34 minutes. Again, so that leaves you uh, 14, 16 minutes at – the shooting guard position for Bogdan, so you're going to have to go steal minutes at the small forward. He's going to he's going to play 28, 29 minutes a night. So again, you're looking at 15 uh, minutes a game. He's going to have to steal that position. Harrison Barnes is going to play major minutes at that small forward position, uh, and he's also going to play the four. But what does that mean for Nemanja Bjelica, um, Harry Giles, and and uh, and Rashawn Holmes and Dwayne Dedman like have that five locked down uh, because Harry Giles and Rashawn Holmes can't shoot the three. Really, that that makes it so Dedman will be there at, as a starting center. But when you go to the bench, you're going to have to move Harrison Barnes over to the four and add a three point shooter at the backup four um, because you're going to need to steal minutes. And so I just think that the way that this roster, it, it basically is nothing but stealing minutes from other positions until you run out of spots to steal from. And so I have a tough time seeing 
Uh, there's a couple of guys on this roster that wouldn't be happy with the way that I distributed minutes, but uh, Trevor Ariza, to me, 16 to 20 minutes. And, yeah. I mean, he's 34 years old. This will be his 16th NBA season. His three-point shooting was down last year. His defensive numbers were down last year. Um, does that mean the father time is like sucking him into, into basketball hell or can he bounce back? And, you know, if he's playing limited minutes, does this mean maybe he can play two or three more years and he can give you better defensive numbers and he can be more accurate from the three point line. Cause he's got fresher legs. So, um, I, I kind of see him as, you know, I mean, clearly he is the backup three, um, but is he really the backup three or is Bogdan really the backup three? And how is this all going to work out? I really think Luke Walton's got his hands tied with all of the players that he has. I like Ariza. He said he's ready for whatever role uh, that's out there for him. And he was very professional about that. Uh, but he also said, look, I'm a competitor and I, I think I can still compete against, you know, the best the NBA has to offer. And at 6'8", with long wingspan and the ability to shoot the three ball, uh, if he's really solid defensively and you can have a switching defense with both him and Harrison Barnes at your forward positions for long stretches when you really kind of go to the second unit, um, I, I think that you're pretty good there. And, I, you know, again, I think Marvin Bagley is going to play 30 to 32 minutes a night. And so you just end up running out of minutes at the, at the end of the day. And I, I think... Uh, Ariza is going to be one of those guys who gets kind of lost in the minute shuffle. Uh, maybe not as much as Nemanja Bjelica, but I, I definitely think he will get lost in the shuffle. You said some things in there, though, that that was going to lead me to this question later on, but I'm just going to ask it now because it seems like the perfect time. You brought up the fact that they are going to be stealing minutes here or there from which position. I think you're going to see Walton having to ride the hot hand at times just because there are certain players that, because of the way they develop, because of where the Kings have either drafted or the assets they've given up to get that certain player, they're going to need to play them. I'm not. That, I mean, that's not necessarily true. I mean, if they're not playing well, they're not playing well, sit them down. But what I'm saying is, is that they want to see what they're going to do to produce, and they produce over the years leading up to this point. But now, just as of recently, and it was already earlier in the summer, that the Kings are interested in the center... Uh, in center Steven Adams from Oklahoma City. And the name that I threw out because of people that I talked to earlier this year saying like they're someone that, that they know OKC would be interested in and a name that keeps being thrown out there is Bogdan Bogdanovich and his role with this team and how committed the Kings are to holding on to him or going after a guy like Steven Adams. This rumor just came up recently again. I saw the Sack B posting about it earlier today. So, James, now that I have you on the show today, I, I've, I've been eager to ask you this question. What are you hearing about the Kings' interest in Steven Adams? Is it real? And how open are they to the idea of trading a guy like Bogdan Bogdanovich? Look, anything you're seeing right now on Steven Adams is regurgitated news. There is... I agree. Like, like there's no one at uh, locally that has anything on Stephen Adams coming to the Sacramento Kings. It, it's just not a buzz. When you go out and you pay Dwayne Dedman a three-year, $40 million deal, that means that he's your starting center, at least initially. I mean, I think that if uh, Harry Giles or Rashawn Holmes, like, really brings it, um, then then you go out and, you know— you can do something different at that position, but 
I, I just I just don't see it. I mean, they really like Steven Adams, but at the same time, they know that Marvin Bagley is the answer at the four. Steven Adams, Marvin Bagley really aren't going to work together. They're just not. It, it will not work at all. And so I see them kind of pulling back away from that. And look, I, I don't think I don't know what it is that people think with with Bogdan. Bogdan is a huge, huge part of what the Kings are doing. I mean, they look at him as a Manu Ginobili type player. They think, you know, if you really look at where Manu was in like 2004 and he blows up in the Olympics, I think it's the Olympics for Argentina, either the the Olympics or World Cup. He just has like a tremendous, tremendous tournament and they win, you know, what's that? Didn't he average like 28 a game out there? He was really good. He yeah. was really good. And what that did is it he, at the same exact age, he was like a 26 going on 27 kid. Um, you know, he was late to the NBA like Bogdan is. That is when Manu took off. And look, Manu Ginobili is a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I'm not talking about on the international ticket. He'll probably get in on the international ticket. But the fact is, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer in in the NBA as an NBA player. And he's a guy that, you know, just meant so much to his team. Bogdan is very, very similar. He can do a lot of the same things. Uh, it, it's about being versatile, about being able to create for yourself, create for others. He's probably the best playmaker on the Kings. Um, I, I just there, I just don't see it. And the way that it works out is Bogdan probably won't take an extension right now. So he's up for an extension. He signed a three-year $27 million deal when he when he came over from Europe. And it's a declining value uh, three-year deal. So that's important in this situation because I think he went from like nine and a half to nine to eight and a half for his $27 million. So when he goes into free agency this summer, um, well, or if he's right now, the Kings can only sign him to a deal that I believe is 120% of his current salary as a starting point. So the best they can offer him is like a four-year, 50, $53, 54000000 million deal, something like that. Well, he's going to wait until next summer, and when he's he's still a restricted free agent, and actually he'll be a restricted free agent for the next two summers because it's, it's just the weird way that you know he's a first-round pick, so he still falls under the first-round pick rules. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so his contract really, he's... He's a restricted free agent until after his his fourth season. And then if the Kings give another qualifying offer and he picks up the qualifying offer, he would play out a free he would be a free agent again. So it, it's a really confusing thing. But he's better off waiting until next summer and being a true restricted free agent. And if uh if he's worth let's say he's worth 14 million a year. So what is that? 56 million, right? Um, but what if he's worth more than that? Uh, what if he's worth, you know, seventy million over four years? Well, that's what he's going to wait to see. So, I, I mean, I think the Kings have to be slightly cautious about the way they spend their money, because Buddy uh, is up for uh, a contract extension right now. Uh, De'Aaron will be up for a contract extension next summer and the summer after that. Marvin will be up for a contract extension. But the way that Ken Catnella has really managed this this uh, salary cap for the Kings. I just think it's brilliant. And they really have set themselves up that next, uh, next summer, you know, they have the options on both Trevor Ariza and Amanya Bielitsa so they can free up a ton of money. 
They can also use those guys at the trade deadline. So to get back to your point, like they're they're sort of pot committed on Dwayne Dedman at this point. Uh, I just don't see them going away from him. And the biggest reason is uh, he's a guy who can play 24, 25 minutes a night. He'll split that position with somebody. It's the lone position in the starting five that I believe uh, will get less than 30 minutes a game. Um, but the fact that he shot 38.2% from three and can space the floor, uh, he can protect the rim, and he can do some of the dirty work, that just tells me that he is a really good, whether it's long-term or short-term, I mean, clearly he's 30, so it's probably more on the short-term, but they've got him locked up for two years before it's a non-guaranteed third year, and he's going to be the guy, and going out and getting Adams, who makes $25 million a year, just upsets the whole balance of your roster when it comes to salary down the road. Um, and, and it would be really difficult for the Kings to swallow that pill and and give a guy that much money, especially since he's going to cost something. And I'm not giving up Ogdon. I'm not not for Stephen Adams. I, I love Stephen Adams. I think he's a an absolute bear. And I think this season he probably could lead the NBA in rebounding, even though he only averaged like less than 10 boards a game last year. Uh, but without Russell Westbrook there sniping his uh, his rebounds all the time, I, I just think he's going to average 15, 16, 17 rebounds a game. But he's just an absolute beast. But he can't shoot from the perimeter, so he can't space the floor. And that's you know that really will hurt Marvin Bagley. It really will hurt De'Aaron Fox and his running lengths. Yeah, I, I think that the Kings are going for a uh, center by committee. I mean, they got a ton of talent there, whether you're looking at a guy like Dwayne Dedman, like you said, who you expect to see right around. I mean, I, I even see him less than 24. I don't. I, I still think that Marvin Bagley at the five is the going to be the position for him. I don't know if I necessarily love that for him, but just because of the way the NBA is changing, that is going to be the position that we're going to see him at, at least especially for when the Kings close out fourth quarters. But I, 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 I'm a huge fan still of what Harry Giles' potential is. I know he's hurt right now. We're not going to see him uh, to, tomorrow at 6.30 in the morning while they're in India playing against the Indiana Pacers. We're not going to see him throughout the entire preseason. Is that correct? I haven't heard that at all. Is it just is it just the just this one game? Because I, no, I don't believe he traveled. Well, he to didn't India, fly to right? India, so he won't play on Friday. He won't play on Saturday. But um, you know, they're they're slightly concerned. There's some knee issues there. He's having some flare ups. Um, he's having knee soreness, and you know, let's be honest. This is what they signed up for when they drafted mm-hmm. him. Uh, you know, I love Harry Giles. I mean, talk about a spectacular young kid. Uh, but he's had a lot of bad luck. And, you know, he tore, I think initially he tore his left ACL as like a 15 year old as a 17 year old, he tore his right ACL. Uh, and then when he got to Duke, he, because his gait changed because of the two surgeries, they had to go back in and clean up the net, the left knee. And it, it appears he's having left knee issues again. Um, I, I don't know how long that sets him back. And, you know, certainly they they want to have their trainers working with him every single day. Uh, but, you know, this is why they went out and got Rashawn Holmes, because Dwayne Dedman played 64 games last year and 62 the year before. It's a little bit unfair for Dedman because I think the last eight or 10 games with Atlanta, they sat him uh, just because, you know, they were going young and, and trying to finish out the year uh, and lose as many games as possible. Um, nice. But I, I also think that... Uh, you know, when you come into a season, if you only had Deadman and Harry Giles, 
that could be an issue uh, because neither one of them have shown that they can stay healthy for an entire season and you needed somebody else. And man, Holmes is, I'm a huge fan of Holmes. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody should be a huge fan of Holmes. What do you, his PER was over 21 last year. Um, His defensive metrics, like I I heard people say, Oh, don't read too much into that because they're just comparing him against, uh, against their young starting center, um, DeAndre Ayton. Um, But to be honest with you, I, I like, I don't even look at Ayton's stats. I just looked at his stats and he, he held everybody like, tremendous like six or seven percentage points lower on their field goal percentage at almost every spot on the floor it was just absolutely nuts and in 16 and a half minutes or 16.9 minutes a game he averaged like 1.1 blocks and i i mean you compare him to what you had last year he's he's virtually the same player as willie collie stein except for the fact that he's better at the things that they do he's a better finisher at the rim much better. Uh, he's one of the best finishers in the pick and roll that you're going to find in the league. And the other thing is he blocks shots. I mean, per 36, we're talking about like 2.5 blocks per game where Willie Cauley Stein last year posted like 0.6 blocks per game. Like he was so, uh, the Kings brought in two guys that can actually block shots at average over a block per game last season and Deadman and, and Holmes. It just doesn't, they don't even compare. Yeah. So I, I really do think that that position is, is totally different than it was a year ago. Yeah, Holmes was one of those guys I was eyeing right away. Uh, he wasn't even I, – I mean, you you might have known that he's been on the Kings radar for a minute, but I didn't even hear him being on the Kings radar until late in the offseason. And then to hear that he got picked up, I mean, I was excited, ecstatic about that, that addition. I mean, like you said, he's someone that just does everything that they were hoping Willie Cauley-Stein would do in those particular areas, whether it be finishing around the rim, uh, his finishing ability in the pick and roll, uh, blocking shots, the willingness to block shots at times, uh, and his reads defensively. Well, you're right. A lot of people, especially uh, people that cover them for SB Nation that I got to speak with, say like you're not you don't really read too much into Holmes's defensive numbers. But there were multiple games last season, and I'll be honest with you, James, Phoenix was one of my guilty pleasure teams that I had to watch. I just wanted to see if Devin Booker was gonna try and outscore Kobe again. Like it was just one of those teams that I just had to keep my eye on for some reason. And there were games I believe I saw him against Clint Capella, uh, Rudy Gobert. And I want to say Jokic, but I could be wrong on that last one. But for sure, I remember Clint Capella where he is giving this guy fits and on his uh, on his own game. He basically does exactly what Clint Capella does for the Rockets, but I wouldn't say as efficiently. And maybe that's because he hasn't got the minutes. Uh, maybe because he's still developing certain footwork that Clint Capella does have. And you have to give respect to for what Clint Capella can do as a talent at that size. But I love that addition of Clint Capella, and that's why I'm saying I think the Kings are going to be a center by committee. You're not going to just see one center all the time. It's not Dwayne Dedman's the starter. He's also the finisher. I think you're going to see multiple heads at that position, whether it goes from Bagley to Holmes to Giles to Dedman. And I, I'm excited to see what fits there. Yeah, uh, just Rashawn Holmes, just to like, I go through and I look at advanced numbers all the time. And Phoenix was one of the worst defensive teams in the league. I mean, they were so bad. He had an offensive rating of 127 and a defensive rating of 111. He's a plus 16. I mean, that's just absolutely nuts. And I really do think that when you look at what he can bring to the table, 
Um, it's the block shots. And then the other thing I'll point out to um, is kind of the issue that this team has is that once you get past Deadman, the other two aren't at all like him. So, so again, Rashawn Holmes is the massive pick and roll guy. I mean, it's it he's spectacular in the pick and roll. Uh, but then you have Harry Giles, and Harry Giles is probably the best passer on the team. I mean, he just has such a feel for the game. He's more versatile than the other two. He might be a better rebounder long term. He might be a better defender long term. You're gonna have to wait for those things to kind of prove out. Um, but he has all kinds of talent. So I think what they did really is they they brought in Deadman to hold the position uh, and, and to kind of let Harry Giles grow into a role. But then when you bring in Deadman, you got to look at it and say, okay, did we do right by ourselves here? Are we going to be okay? Is there going to be a bunch of games during the season where both of them are down? And now I'm you know I've got Marvin Bagley and Nemanja Bjelica as my two centers, and that's not good. Um, so I really just think that they, they made some, some interesting moves at that, at that position, excuse me. And I, I really like it. The other thing I'll point out is that, um, as a 23 year old player in the 2016, 17 season with Philadelphia, uh, Rashawn Holmes actually shot 35.1% from three on 1.43s per game. And if he can be that player, uh, if they can get back to that, uh, he opens up the possibility to play huge minutes next to Marvin Bagley if he can shoot the three. And I thought it was really interesting. He didn't shoot a three-pointer all of last season. And it, I looked at the, his shot chart. I think he only made three total baskets outside of the key. And it was like two little, little like 12-foot baseline jumpers nice. and one shot that was just a touch outside the free throw line. Everything else is literally sitting on top of the basket and he knows who he is and he does exactly what his job is. And that's why I, you know, he's a guy that you can run out there against Montrez Harrell and say, look, we'll do the same thing to you that you're going to do to us. We're going to throw a big physical dude who doesn't mind mixing it up, who doesn't mind, you know, running down loose balls and fighting for every rebound. And I I like him. I, I like him a lot. The last addition, and we don't really have to talk about him too much because I think we all know what we get when we talk about him, and that's Corey Joseph. I, I love that addition for the Kings. I think they've been needing a solid backup point guard. Uh, I think a, a veteran point guard, too, at that, and and you're getting all of that with Corey Joseph. I don't see him having a major role, James. I, I've predicted him at 18 to 20 minutes per game, and maybe at times he, he'll see 22, 24, but I, I see him in the 18 to 20-minute range. Uh, what what do you see as his role on this team, and, and how do you think he fits in with this roster? Man, I, I love Corey Joseph, too. Um, I talked to him on Media Day, and he said, look, I've been a backup everywhere, and my job is to make the starter better and for them to make me better. And I don't think he's ever played against someone like De'Aaron Fox in practice. Uh, everyone just talks about his speed. And, I mean, you just can't get away from it. He is so incredibly fast. Um, But what I think, you know, last year when the Kings went to their bench and they went to that point guard position, uh, Dave Yeager was not happy at all with what he had. He actually asked for a second point guard all season long from the beginning. Um, He said, like, look, I just can't, can't work with what I have. And that's not a total slight on on Yogi Ferrell and Frank Mason. It's just that when you have like a, a speedster that slide a frame like De'Aaron Fox 
And then when you go to your bench, you have two undersized shooting guards playing your your point guard position. Neither one of them create for others. Uh, Frank Mason really struggled overall. Yogi Ferrell had some moments where he was really good, but he also had some games where he was just completely non-existent and they couldn't even put him on the floor. Um, so when you look at that position, I, they really mixed it up. I mean, Corey Joseph is a six foot three, defensive-minded, physical, physical player. And when I look at the backcourt, not not of him and De'Aaron as like a one and two, uh, comb, you know, as like a, the starter and, and the bench player. But when I look at him next to uh, next to Bogdan Bogdanovich, I was just about and, to say that. Yep. Yeah, and Bogey isn't a bad defender, but he's more of a team defender that can predict, has a high basketball IQ, plays the passing lanes well. Um, but once you start getting him in space against super fast guys, he struggles a little bit. Um, but if you can switch up and have him defend the best guy there and let Bogdan really focus on maybe the shooter, uh, I, I think that that it just like makes for a perfect pairing. And then you add buddy in there and you slide Bogdan to the three for some minutes, uh, you know, and then you come back. Sometimes you can do a two point guard set with De'Aaron and Corey Joseph side by side. I think we're going to see that for a couple of minutes a game. Um, but you're just not going to be able to steal that many minutes from the shooting guard position. And I think that's going to be a challenge for Luke Walton, but it's also going to be a challenge taking De'Aaron Fox off the floor. I think, you know, last year he played almost 32 minutes a game. Um, this year, I think he will play 34 minutes a game. Luke is a guy who goes heavy to young players. Uh, he does not mind running him out there for 34, 35 minutes a game. And so, I mean, that leaves you with, you know, maybe 14 or 15 minutes at the point guard spot. So if he can steal another two or three minutes a half, uh, maybe he gets up to 18 to 20 minutes. But I don't know. Uh, and it's going to be tough. And you paid Corey Joseph again. Just like you paid Trevor Ariza and you play, paid Dwayne Dedman, you gave him a big chunk of change. I think it's what three or thirty-seven. Uh, but again, like all, the third year is non-guaranteed; it's a partial guarantee by the Kings. Um, I just think that it, it kind of makes it complicated at that position, and they're going to like what they have because when they go to the bench, it's going to be a different look. And that's where I mean with Yogi and with with Frank, they just didn't give you really a different look. Yep. They just weren't as good as De'Aaron at doing what he was doing. And uh, now you have a completely different look. And the other thing I'll point out with Corey Joseph before we get off that, uh, a four to one assisted turnover ratio. He just does not make mistakes, which is spectacular for your backup point guard. Yeah, I think you, you touched on defensively for the combination of him and Bogdanovich, but I, I also like what it opens up for Bogdanovich offensively. He does not need to be the primary ball handler now. Nope. With with that Yogi and Frank Mason being that point guard, you saw Bogdanovich as the real point guard, and like you said, those were just under uh, undersized shooting guards named point guards at that position. Now you have a guy in Corey Joseph and a guy in Bogdanovich that – know how to score the basketball. I think Corey Joseph is an underrated scorer because he's so team-oriented. He has that team mentality. But now you have a guy next to him with Bogdanovich who is a ridiculous scorer, and we saw that throughout FIBA. And yeah, throughout FIBA. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this guy can put the, the ball in the hole, and he can do it off catch-and-shoots. He can do it off the dribble. But 
to not now not the attention be on him being able to make plays for other being the first thing he has to do. Now he gets to play his actual position and the role that I think he's best fit for, which is that shooting guard spot off the bench with a point guard that, like you said, makes very few mistakes, knows how to get the ball into his players' hands. I'm excited for the versatility of this roster. I think whether you look at the starters or you look at the bench, this team is going to constantly be attacking you. They're not going to take their foot off the, the gas pedal no matter who is in the game. And that's what I think makes this team very lethal and also leads me in down to our next topic here, James, which is Luke Walton. New head coach. Everyone is talking about this potential high-octane offense faster than what we saw last year. And, and we did see that with the Lakers. They were faster than the Kings in pace last season, uh, but now with shooters around him. James, just straightforward question. Ask it, uh, Answer it how you wish. Is Luke Walton the answer for the Kings at the coaching position? Yeah. Um, I, like, I'm not down on Luke at all. I just don't know. Um, I, I mean, when you look thing. at Luke Walton yeah, and— yeah, when you look at Luke, like, look, I, I really like Luke. And, um, you know, I, the off-court stuff, it's it, it's not good. Um, it, it sticks in your craw. You know, it's something that we're going to have to wait and let it play out. And, like, this whole thing that the NBA did, um, that is what it is. I mean, look, um, I, I think a lot of people know out there. My wife is an attorney, and so there's a – when someone sues you in civil court, um, there's just no way that she was going to talk to their investigators because it just completely nullifies it. Well, has a potential if you let a quote unquote third side at uh, outside, you know, independent investigation. But is it really independent? I mean, the Kings hired somebody and the NBA has their investigators. Is that independent? Um, if you work with their investigators and they side against you, um, then it just basically takes your civil suit, crumples, crumples it up in a little ball and throws it away. If you don't work with them, then the case still goes on. Um, so I don't know that it's going to be an issue during the season. I, I would assume it probably won't be an issue until next summer or even maybe the summer after that, unless something happens here where it just dies and goes away. Uh, and that's always possible. Um, but look, as a basketball coach, it's so tough to judge Luke Walton. Um, I mean, he was 39 and four as an interim with the best basketball team in the world that went 73 and nine, uh, the Golden State Warriors. And then he takes the Lakers job and he literally ran the exact same like 98 and 148 or 98 and 149. I, I, I don't have the math in front of me, um, but the exact same uh, record over the last three seasons that Dave Yeager ran with the Sacramento Kings. And I hate to tell people this, but the Los Angeles Lakers had more talent than the Sacramento Kings. Um, so I, I just don't know. Uh, the one thing I do know is like when we talk about pace and we say, oh, their pace was faster, their pace was faster by like 0.1. Uh, so the Kings and, and Lakers basically had the same pace. Um, I think it's impressive that Luke was able to get that pace out of a team that had guys like Lance Stevenson and LeBron James who aren't runners at this point in their career. Um, but the thing that I love, that this is this is how I kind of, I don't know, this is how I, I, I'm excited about Luke for this reason. 
Um, I thought last year that Dave Yeager did a brilliant job going outside of his comfort zone and doing something different. I mean, this is grit and grind. This is Dave Yeager that we've seen with Zebo playing, you know, 28 minutes tonight or whatever it was a year before. I mean, this is a guy who is so set in his ways. Uh, and then he just basically said, look, I can do whatever. Like, you guys judge me and say this is who I am, and that's not who I am. And so he takes a team, he builds an offense during the summer around the talent that he has, and he's able to do this remarkable thing where this team is firing on all cylinders so fast. Uh, they're getting the ball, even when they're giving up buckets, they already have the ball halfway down the court before you turn around. They're they're shooting the ball with with 21 seconds left when they actually took the ball out of the bucket after a made shot by the opponent. And so I, I think that's amazing, right? But it's not Dave Yeager's style. And it is Luke Walton's style. His style is a read and react, up-tempo, fast-paced. This is, you know, we're flying all over the court. And now you give him just the most perfect pieces for this specific style of play. And De'Aaron Fox is by far the fastest player in the league. It's not just that he's faster than everybody. He plays faster than everybody. And that's a distinction. Like, you can have fast guys. If they don't actually know how to play fast, then they aren't any good at what, you know, at being fast. Um, so that's one thing I'll point out. But then last year, the Lakers shot, I think it was 91 more three-pointers than the Sacramento Kings. And the Kings made 80 more than the Lakers. Percentage-wise, this team, the Sacramento Kings, can absolutely light it up. I mean, Fox, even Fox shot, you know, what, close to 38% from three last year, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you got Buddy Hill shooting uh, almost 43%. You got Nemanja shooting 40 You got Harrison Barnes shooting over 40 You got Bogdan having an off year and shooting like 36 and a half. I mean, I you have so much. What's that? And we have to blame that on him having to become a playmaker. I think we also look, look with Bogdanovich, he never really got, okay. So he hurt his knee right before training camp. who went down while the Kings were learning how to sprint. He was sitting there rehabbing, like chomping at the bit, trying to get back on the court. Um, he looked great for the first month and a half of the season. The second that it, the wind and the, the abuse of what that style of offense does to you, it caught up to him because he didn't have the training camp and he didn't have, the natural progression of an offseason. And so I just think we did not see a very good version of what uh, Bogdan is. I think if he comes in and he's anywhere near the, the type of confidence and the type of player that we saw at FIBA World Cup, then he's, you know, you really have four really, really star-level players, um, at least at what they do. So, like, you can be... Like, I don't I don't think anyone said, oh, Manny Ginobili is a superstar, but Manny Ginobili was a superstar role player. And he was so much better than anyone at his role that he was, I think Bogdan can be that guy. But I also think that um, when you look at Fox and you look at Bagley and you look at Heald, they all have the opportunity to be like star level players. Now, superstar, that's a whole nother realm. And who knows what, you know, specifically, I think Fox and Bagley, um, healed is what he's going to be uh, he can be a little bit better he can be a little bit worse than what he is right now but he is kind of who he is he can refine what he does he'll have good seasons where he shoots the ball like he did last year he'll have a season or two where he struggles with a shot 
um, and doesn't quite hit the number that you're you're expecting. But I think the other two guys are just they're unknown how good they can be. The ceiling just we don't know what their ceiling is. Um, but to get back to Walton, I just think that you give him all of this ammunition, all of these players that can really do what fits his style. And then you go out and you add a Dwayne Dedman, you add a guy like Trevor Ariza, you just add more shooting. So if you're going to lose a little bit, if Nemanja Bielitsa isn't going to play that much, um, now you've got Dedman, and he just fits much better with what Marvin is. And I think Marvin can score on anybody, and he can outrun anybody. Um, and then, you know, you have your pick and roll specialist and Holmes. I, I just like the construction of this roster to me is really cool. Uh, whether you can find a spot for all of them, that's going to be Luke's biggest challenge. Um, but we don't know. We, we don't know what Luke Walton is. And I, I, I hate to be just that blunt with it. Um, but you know, he could be, you know, the next big name coach. He could also, um, put up another couple of seasons like he did with the Lakers and that we, we just, we don't know until it actually happens. He was 98 and 148 with the Lakers over three seasons, the exact same record as Dave Yeager. And uh, the first two years that Dave Yeager had this team, um, he walked in the first season with DeMarcus Cousins as a starting center. Outside of that, I'm not sure that he had a starting level player the the next two seasons at any position. Yeah, I'm co- I'll be honest. I I am a little nervous that Luke Walton could potentially be what George Carl was to this team. Not in terms of like the the drama of what George Carl kind of had around him, but more of like the offense is going to be high paced. Like everyone knows about that type of offense. Like I don't really know what I'm going to see other than I know that this offense is going to be fast and they built a roster that is built around a player like De'Aaron Fox to lead this team and keep that pace high. And that's why I'm saying I love the versatility of this team. The versatility of this team is why I have made a very bold prediction that I'm going to save for the very end. And uh, I'm actually going to get your take on this right now, James. And that is, according to Bovada, the Sacramento Kings are estimated to have 37 and a half wins. If you are a betting man, if there are betting people listening to this show and they were like, you know what, I'm going to do whatever James Ham says. He's the man. He's the hammer. Are we betting on the over or are we betting on the under on 37 and a half wins? Man. Okay, so first of all, I'm not allowed to make betting predictions. Uh, I can give you what I think the team will do. Yeah, uh, this is your prediction. I'm saying but I, yeah, I honestly believe the over is is low. Um, I I don't understand. Okay, so first of all, this team won 39 games last year. Um, and was that a bit of a surprise? Yes, it was a bit of a I mean, it was a huge surprise. I mean, I had them at 25 wins last year. Uh, and I think I was on the high point. Most people had them less than that. Um, you know, there are people I worked with that had them at like 22. Um, and they were even trying to be nice and thought that it would be closer to 20. Um, so I, I had no idea because when you took Zebo out of that lineup, who was their go-to guy who won so many games in the waning moments, you just you take away a feature player in the post that can get you a basket 60% of the time, and you just don't know what you have. Um, so again, I was off by a ton, but the year before I nailed the number, I said 27, they won 27. I'm usually within two or three games. Um, but when I look at 
this team and I look at what happened at the end of last year where they gave away three games at the end of the year. This team should have been a 42 and 40 uh, team to me without any pro- without any questions. They lost a couple of heartbreakers. It broke their spirit. They let it snowball. They let it get out of control down the stretch. Uh, of course, we have the final game of the season. Just if you take that game in itself where Jaeger didn't play any of the starters in the final uh, in the final 24 minutes, um, and they were, I mean, they were up by so much. They scored like 86 in the first half, something like that, wasn't it? Just something crazy. Um, this this was a 40 win, 41, 42 win team last year. There, you just can't convince me. There's no way that you can convince me that having Corey Joseph over Yogi Ferrell and Frank Mason at the backup point guard position, the weak links of this team, backup point guard, shot blocking center, versatility at the small forward. You answered all of it, and I just I think that this is at a bare minimum. I think they're a 45 win team. I think they can win more than that. Uh, I, I don't think that they can win like 52. Uh, I'm not being ridiculous here, but look, um, Dwayne Dedman and Rashawn Holmes and Harry Giles are a much better center combination than Willie Cauley-Stein and Costa Kufis. And look, I, I love Costa Kufis, and I don't think Willie Cauley-Stein was that bad last year. Um, just He's just not, he's not consistent. He doesn't block shots. He doesn't rebound like the players that they have. He also could not shoot the three ball. So if I look at that center position last year and said, I need to improve as three-point shooting, I need more threes out of that center position, and I need a shot blocker out of that center position. That's what you got. I mean, and just so you know, you replaced him with a guy named Rashawn Holmes, who's basically the same exact player, just more refined and better at it and a better shot blocker. Right. Uh, and then, you know, again, the the biggest, the Kings walked in the last season with Iman Shumpert and... Justin Jackson as their small forwards. Uh, Buddy Hill started the first two games. Yogi Ferrell started the shooting guard position in the first two games. Um, they had no small forward, no legitimate starting level small forward. Again, that's not a knock on Justin Jackson or Amon Shumpert. Shumpert's six foot five shooting guard uh, who had played 14 games a year before. Justin Jackson. James. He, Let me play devil's advocate real quick. Okay. I I understand it. Like we, I I, I think everyone will agree with you. The team right now constructed is, uh, and, and this and this is a strong opinion of mine, is that this team is 110% better than the team we saw finish last season. 110% to me. It was just because of the new additions that we have, just because of the versatility. But with that said, at that 37.5 win mark, you're looking at the, re- the rest of this Western Conference and almost every single team has gotten better yeah they eh. had heartbreak games yes they saw it <laughs> snowball are, are you I, saying that they're going to be I, able to upset some of these other teams and and i saw i have the answer i actually agree with you i and this is my bold prediction james i was saving it for this point i have the kings winning right around 40 uh 43 to 44 games this season potentially 45 so i'll even give myself that little bit of a range and I have them making the playoffs. And the big reason for me is because I believe they set up a team that both, whether it's the starters or the bench roles that they have and the versatility that they have by moving pieces around and still being able to keep that offense moving at a fast pace, never taking their foot off the throttle, is what separates them from all these other teams. A lot of these other teams are top-heavy, but as a devil's advocate, saying that point to you, what do you say to that? 
What I say to that is I think San Antonio got a year older and while they lost DeJounte Murray last year and didn't have him all year, I just don't fear him at all. And and I think that their changes are okay during the offseason. I think they got worse. Uh, I think that the Oklahoma City Thunder got much worse. Um, I, I just, you know, when you swap out Gallinari for Paul George, I mean, that's not even a comparison. And, you know, that's not even talking about Westbrook for Paul. Uh, um, why am I drawing a blank? Chris, Chris Paul. Paul. Uh, I, I just don't think that they're even remotely close to the same team. And even if they are, they're still a team that's kind of starting out. Um, I don't think that Portland got better. They went out and got Hassan Whiteside. But to be honest with you, they lost important pieces that made sense for what they were doing in Mo Harkless, uh, Alfaro Camino. I, I just don't, I don't see how they got considerably better at all. Um, and so when I look around the league, I think that there are teams, you know, clearly Utah got better. Um, clearly the Clippers got better, but again, uh, Paul George is going to miss a bunch of time early in the season. I think in all honesty, the Golden State Warriors got much worse. No. Like, I don't understand how anyone no. has the Golden State Warriors winning 50 games. Yes. I, I think that that is absolutely ludicrous. You're replacing basically Clay Thompson with D'Lo. It doesn't it, make sense at all as far as a backcourt pairing. I don't think he's he's a pick-and-roll guy, and you brought in Willie Cauley-Stein. So if your upgrade at the center position was Willie Cauley-Stein, who's now out for like a month and a half at least, um, and even if he wasn't, I mean, again, you're looking at a downgrade at the position. You, then you take away, uh, excuse me, like Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is no longer your your starting small forward. The last and then, oh, by the way, let me take away Sean Livingston. Let me take away Andre Iguodala. Let me strip down your bench to nothing. Their bench is absolutely bare. They have, I, I think, the worst bench in the NBA and like I used to talk about the Clippers bench being like the worst bench I'd ever seen. Now the Clippers bench is like absolutely devastating. But they went through a phase where when, you know, they had Chris Paul and they had J.J. Redick and they had DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin, uh, that team, that team had no bench. So when those guys got hurt, you you fell apart. Well, I mean, that, the Golden State Warriors don't even have what they had. Um, so I just, I see that there are a handful of teams that – Maybe didn't get way better. We haven't even talked about Houston. Does that whole backcourt pairing work? Um, I'm not sure. And so I think the Kings are deep. I think they're going to come at you in waves. They're going to push the tempo. But at the same time, they have at least three guys that are going to play 30 minutes. I mean, at least four guys that are going to play 30 minutes a night. Um, And and I think they have at least three guys that are going to average between like 18 and 22 points per game. Um, and, and that's without even looking at really solid players like Deadman uh, and and Harrison Barnes and Ariza and, and Bogdanovich. You know, these are guys that are going to fill it up. They're all going to I mean, you're looking at like the potential for eight or nine guys averaging in double figures. And to me, that's just deep and it's talented. And so, yeah, I get it that, you know, the West is still brutal, that that Anthony Davis is now in the Western Conference. But look, a basketball game is not won by two players. It's got to be a full team effort. And, you know, again, I, the Clippers are downright scary. 
Um, but they're no scarier than what the Warriors were the last like five years. And I, I think they're going to be really good. But uh, again, you, the one thing that killed the Kings last year when you played the Clippers very specifically, uh, they killed you with Lou Williams. They, and they, uh, killed you with Montrezl Harrell. The Kings went out and addressed those, those situations with guys like Corey Joseph and, um, and Dwayne Dedman and, uh, Rashawn Holmes at the center position. So I think, you know, I I think you shored up a lot of things here and you're going to compete. I think it's going to be an interesting season, but I think they're also, they're going to be good. So I, I, I'm, I'm blown away that you, that you, that you talked that bad about the Warriors roster, James. I'm pretty high on the Warriors still. I think that this, because of how level the team is, it became a, uh, can you team. name me their, their bench? I'm yeah, just saying. I Amari Spellman, Glenn Robinson the third, Alec Burks, Jordan Poole. Like I like some of their players. And then on top of that, you're not. It's not like you're not going to see a lot of these players not uh, be in the lineup with at least Steph Curry or at least the Draymond Green to at least guide this team. And I also think you are kind of sleeping on deloading. Ice in my veins, Russell. The name that is carrying my fantasy football team to second place in the league right now. Anytime this, you're talking about a basketball player being the name of your your fantasy football team, I, I think that tells you a lot. And look, here's the other <laughs> thing: gets to second place though. It's all right. Steph Curry. Steph Curry last season played 69 games. The season be- before, he played 51 games. Clay Thompson will be out at least until the All Star break. If they are not a serious contender at the All Star break, I predict he will not play at all. Th- there's no reason to run him out there. If he's not gonna, if he's not gonna make an impact on what you're doing, and I, I just, man, I, you know, I know you're just trying to get value when you go out and you trade D'Lo uh, in the sign and trade with Durant, but they act like everybody in the league is lining up to pay twenty five million dollars a year for D'Lo. I, I, you know, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't know what that line is. Right I mean, now. I think it's like the Minnesota Timberwolves, like sitting there with Andre Wiggins. And then uh, Andrew Wiggins. And then after that, like, Orlando. I just don't think that there's much of a line for him. I think Orlando would be a, a good thing for them. I, I don't think I don't yeah. think they know really what they're doing with Markel Fultz. I think they're just kind of hoping for that there. But I, I, I'm still high on them. I believe in the two-time unanimous MVP, Stephen Curry. I believe in, in the monster that is Draymond Green. And I, and I believe in what this, that, that team has shown that they can do throughout the years. Yes, it's different, uh, but different doesn't always mean bad. They, they, they are a team that knows how to score points. They can put it up in a hurry. They are a defensive first team, which I think everyone forgets. Uh, Kevin Looney is still going to be there. We saw what he can do uh, down as a defensive big. I think they're going to really utilize Willie Cauley-Stein in that up-and-down offense. So I'm still high on them. But I, I totally agree with you. We do not know what that pairing of Westbrook and Harden is. Paul Paul George excuse me, is now out for a month at the minimum uh, and, and could be out longer because these are two soldier, shoulder surgeries. Two. And, and Kawhi only plays 60 games a year now. I mean, it, it's not like you're talking about 82 games of, of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Um, again, I, I think that they have the depth to withstand it. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I just, I mean, again, I, I don't understand where the depth is with the Warriors. I mean, I, <laughs> so, you're looking at Looney as your starter alongside uh, alongside Draymond. I'm, I'm not sure who's starting at the small forward. Um, but, yeah, I mean... And then you've got the backcourt. And if you love the backcourt, you love it. Um, but Willie Cauley-Stein's out for a while. And then, again, I just don't see it. I mean, 
That's just me. Because we're running low on time. All right. Are the Kings going to make the playoffs? Actually, no, 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 no. no. I don't want to ask that question because I want to ask you a question that you love. You you have a love hate relationship with. If you had to grade the Kings off season heading into the year now, what grade would you give it? <laughs> yeah, I know you know I hate doing grades, um, <laughs> but I, I'm going to actually do it this time. I'm going to give you a a B plus. Let's go. And uh, the reason I'm going I'm going to give you a B plus, very specific. They didn't get. Uh, a top tier, you know, oh my gosh, free agent. Um, and, and that's how you get A's and A pluses. Um, but what you did do is you attacked every weakness on your roster. Uh, you brought in savvy veterans who know the roles and who are willing to do their roles and uh, are very good at their roles. Your young players got a year older. Um, uh, you know, the draft is a wash because you didn't have a pick. Um, so maybe that downgrades you to a B. Um, but you also kept flack, uh, cap flexibility going forward. And I just, I really do believe this was a tremendous off season where you attacked it the right way and you may have overpaid. Uh, people are always going to, Oh, they overpaid. They overpaid. You know what? Um, if, if you think your house is worth a million dollars, but you can only sell it for, for 300,000, I hate to tell you your house is only worth 300,000. Um, it, it, it is what it is, and that means the reverse of that as well. If if a guy is takes a contract for a three-year, $40 million deal, that's what it took to get him. And it, whether that's because you're the Sacramento Kings or he wants a lot of money or you know a skill set or whatever, it doesn't matter. That's, that's a dollar figure it took to get a player. Um, I, I don't think they did anything long-term that will hurt them. I don't think the Harrison Barnes deal will hurt them. They locked up a forward position for the next four years with a very, very solid veteran piece that's young. Um, so I like what they did. I do. Uh, a B, B plus. I gave and, you know, I, I, I gave again, a solid, it's all about depth. I gave them a solid B. I, 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 for everything that you just said, I think they, they addressed all of their weaknesses. I think that they've made their team versatile. I, 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 I like very much what they did. I think, like you said, though, they still had to overpay, which is always going to be a downfall in their grades, no matter who you look at and who's giving them. And I, I know you hate giving them. Uh, but also, I think that they did that just because, like you said, they're keeping that, that cap flexibility open because they're going to start having to pay these younger players. Buddy Heald is up for an extension. De'Aaron Fox the summer after that. I believe Bogey is going to be in two summers. or I know he's up for this summer for an extension or, or something similar to that, but... I mean, you're going to have to start spending this money. They now have that ability to do so, even with the contract with Barnes, even with the three-year $40 million with Dwayne Dedman. I really like what they did. I think it's a solid B grade, and I think it leads perfectly into this final question with NBC Sports' James Ham. James, are the Sacramento Kings going to break their playoff drought and become a playoff team this season? I think they've got a really good shot. I do. Um, like I'm not going to guarantee that they make the playoffs. I think they'll be in it. Uh, I also think that they have flexibility with their roster. So if they are, are close and there's a big name player that becomes available, um, they do have the expiring contracts of guys like Bielitsa and guys like Trevor Ariza, uh, that they can go out and shop. They've got a couple of young players. They've got all of their picks. They've got seven second round picks over the next two years. So I think that they can make improvements at the deadline like they did last year. 
Um, but I, I do really like what they've done. And I, I think that they, uh, they've set themselves up to be, if it's not this, this season, then there's a good chance that it's the next season. Uh, if they do squeeze in this season, it's just the beginning. It's like, this is, you know, if they get in as a six, seven, eight, um, their team that's on the rise and can be more like a four five, six or a three, four five the next year. Uh, I, I really do think that they are catching, um, you know, they're on the way up. And I, I think there are a lot of teams that are on their way down. And so I'm not going to say 100%, uh, but I think prediction? That they've, they've got a really, really good shot at making it, I think, uh, between 45 and 48 wins. That's just my prediction. And maybe I'm way off. Maybe I'm crazy. Um, but I, I, I like the depth. And again, I think they're the deepest team in the Western Conference. They might not be the most talented team, but I think one through 11, one through 10, I think they are one of, if not the deepest teams in the league. And um, I think that that will come into play as they try to get into the playoffs. I 100% agree. This has been one of my favorite podcasts. I cannot, I'm already excited for the tip off to the NBA season. James, before I let you go, I want to say thank you for coming back once again for the sixth year of doing this season preview here on the Kings Court. And before we let you go, let the fans out there know where they can find you online. Um, okay, so the biggest places you can always find me on Twitter at James underscore ham NBCS. Um, I have a Facebook page, which you can find me. Uh, it's a, uh, I have a journalist page. If you try to follow my my regular personal page, I'm just not going to follow you back. Um, I just don't do that because um, I have pictures of my kids and wives and stuff. Uh, my my wife and stuff. Uh, I do not have wives. Um, but then uh, I think the you know you can find me on NBC Sports Bay Area. Uh, you'll find me on the telecast uh, alongside um, the great Jerry Reynolds, Jim Cosmore. Um, we're adding Mitch Richmond this year, which is going to be fun. Um, Doug Christie will do 10 games up on the set with us. Uh, it's going to be, you know, Katie Christensen's back, uh, Grant Napier's back. Um, you know, we're going to have some interesting stuff going on. And, and then lastly, uh, you know, I've had a podcast forever. Um, I think this will be my ninth season having a podcast. Um, so we're going to do some rebranding, but it will relaunch, um this this next week and it should be it should be pretty fun doug christie will be back with me as my co-host uh we're gonna mix in some video along with the podcast which is cool um and uh, i might even have a big name guest tomorrow i don't want to i don't want to like spoil it because uh or even put it out there because these things always have a way of like going sideways anytime you do that and guests cancel um, but I should have a pretty fun guest uh, for this week's edition of the Kings Insider podcast on NBC Sports, uh, Bay, uh, well, California. So we have the Kings Insider joining the Kings Court today. James, I, again, I want to thank you so much for joining us once again. Uh, you guys can follow him at James underscore Ham NBC Sports, correct on Twitter? Did I get that 100% correct? NBCS. NBCS. Dang it. I, I thought I had it. You're perfect close. Without even You're close looking. enough. 
And then you, you definitely go follow him. Read all of his work on NBC Sports California. We'll definitely be looking for him on the telecast. You guys can follow me on all social media platforms. I'm Vince Miracle at VM Center. Follow us. Subscribe to this show if you haven't already. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Helps us grow. Sack Kings Nation merch still on sale. Go on SackKingsNation.com for all of your in-depth coverage of the Sacramento Kings. Joe Morgan will be joining me next week. We will be in studio. Big things coming this year. If you haven't started following me yet and you haven't heard yet, stay tuned. We have more coming. James, thank you again. And until next time, Sacramento Kings fans, bye-bye.